Good morning, everyone. How you doing today? Great. It's great to see you all. If you're in the room or online, thank you for being with us today. Um, if you are at home today, we're going to be receiving communion at the end of the service. So we know that you are near your kitchen. So go ahead and prepare some elements. Uh, and then for everybody in the room, there's going to be elements for you at your chair for you to partake of communion. All right. It was election week, like I said last week. So I'm hopeful that you all celebrated your freedom by voting. And like I said, um, I'm not so uh, worried if you celebrated a lot or you were really sad based on the results of the election, but I'm hopeful that you prayed after the results of the election. Did you remember to pray? Either in, in your celebration moment or your down in the doldrums moment that your person got in or they didn't get in, but what's more important for us is to pray. Can I get an amen? All right. One, one practical note I have as we move forward. You know, it is definitely not my favorite thing um, that you that we right now have to register to be able to attend an in-person service. But it is a necessity at this moment. So I just want to encourage you um, if you're in the room. And I don't know exactly uh, what happened this morning at registration um, or if you're getting if people are getting ready to attend the second service. Um, please register. Now, the reason we're doing registration is this, so we don't have people lining up outside, and then when we hit a a number, we have to turn people away like Noah's Ark or something. We don't want to do that. We don't want to turn anybody away uh, for church or say, hey, wait till the next service. So it's just easier if we do registration for this time being, for this season. And again, if you are still just watching online, we invite you to come back to the building. And every Wednesday when registration opens, Man, it should be a fight for registrations to be able to get back in the building. But please register. Don't show up at the door um, and say, I didn't register, blah, blah, blah. Just make it easy for our team. Register Wednesday at 10 a.m. Uh, for whatever service that you want to attend. All right. Part three of our series that we have called All Together, so important for us as a church family to embrace the togetherness of the body of Christ. Our mission statement here at the City Church is moving people closer to Jesus. And those are two different things. People that are far from God, we want them to experience and have a relationship with Jesus. And then once we have taken that step to say yes to Jesus, all of us should be on a discipleship track. Jesus has called us to be disciples, not just converts, not just Christians. But he called us to be disciples. In other words, that we should be learners, lifelong learners, understanding who he is, what what God has provided for us through Jesus, understanding the character and nature of God, understanding how God wants us to live in the world. And that is a lifetime sanctification process. And we are doing that together. We're not doing it alone. we're, We're doing it as a family. We're doing it as a group. And this is why every Christian Every Christian is called to be part of a local church, to be part of a local body, so that we, uh, that body, can be together moving forward um, closer to Jesus. So we don't want to stagnate. We don't want us to stay the same. And within the context of relationships, we can be inspired. We, we can be challenged. We can learn from each other. We can encourage each other. And while being a Christian... Being a follower of Jesus is an individual decision. We shouldn't stay as individuals. We're supposed to be part of the family. We're supposed to be part of a local church. And 
And what I would say, you know, similar to uh, Olympic season, we, we just had the Olympics this, sum, this summer, and we are Canadians, individual Canadians. And then when we get together um, and we're celebrating what our, what our nation is doing, people who are part of our nation, the, the Canadian family, we cheer them even though we don't know them. We celebrate and we feel these high highs with these people and the low lows that we felt because they're part of the Canadian family. So we're individual Canadians, but then when we're doing something collectively, we're feeling it and we're celebrating and we're rejoicing or we're crying. You know, right now, I don't know how into golf you are or you aren't, but right now there, there's a tournament going on this weekend called the Ryder Cup, and, and golf is definitely the most individualistic sport there is. But in this golf tournament, it's all about playing with team members, and it's the USA versus Europe, and it's a whole the golf, which, again, is just all you by yourself. All of a sudden, golf takes on this team thing, and that's what it means to be a part of the family of God. Yes, you follow Jesus as an individual. Yes, you have said yes to Jesus, that you know him for yourself, but you're not supposed to do it alone. You're supposed to be doing these things together, having friends and family in the body of Christ. And so uh, with this series, I've come up with something called the All Together Challenge. And the challenge, as I've said, we've been very disconnected this last season, this last many months for a bunch of different reasons, obviously. And what I'm challenging you to do is maybe somebody that you haven't seen at church or because you've been watching online or different things like that, I encourage you to reach out to them, text them, DM them on Instagram, shoot them a message on Facebook, whatever way you need to connect with them and get together with them. Find out how they're doing, encourage them. Go for a a coffee on a patio, go in a restaurant, go have a picnic, do something together. Find out how one of your brothers and sisters in Christ is doing that you have missed, that we can do these things together. So will you take the challenge? All right, don't lie in church. All right. (laughs) So we are doing all these things again together. We're growing together. We're loving together. We're laughing together. And then we're going to cry together. That's what a family is all about. And that's what a church is all about. And so we want to have... Uh, the lifelong friendships within the family of God, within the body of Christ. See, the, this longing that we have to have friends, to be in relationships, has actually come from God. You see this right from the beginning. It's not as a result of the fall that Adam felt loneliness or that he was alone. You know, the Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they were pre-existent. They were there together before all of creation. And so when they created man in their image, man automatically had this need, this desire to be in relationship. And you and I have this need. We have this desire. Even if you are an introvert of the introverts, you still need friends. And you still have an innate desire to be in the context of relationship, in the context of friendship. So none of us should be doing these things alone. And the things that we see in the New Testament that God has commanded to, commanded us to do, obviously living a life of love. You can't do that alone. You can't do that without somebody else to love, without somebody else to serve and to care for and to pray for, and vice versa. All of that has to happen. For you to be a New Testament Christian, you have to be in relationship. You can't do it alone. You have to do it with somebody. So we have to take that plunge. We have to take that risk. 
of us somewhere in our past have a broken relationship in the context of church. Something went wrong. And, you know, a, a high expectation that you have for a brother and sister in Christ, they failed to meet that expectation. And the reality is you probably did as well at some point. And so we all fail each other because we aren't perfect. That's why we have a need for a savior. But we need to take that plunge. We can't let past hurts prevent us from getting in the relationships that God has called us to. And you might think, you know, Pastor Brent, these are all these are all really good points, but I'm good. I don't need any more friends. I've got so many friends. But what I would say is somebody might actually need you. Somebody might need you in the context of friendships. Somebody might need you in the context of a godly discussion. So we don't want to opt out. We want to opt in to all of these things that God has for us. So our foundation in all of these things, obviously, is God. We mentioned last week that we have a covenant relationship with God. That God has done something for us through Jesus that is the vertical part of our relationship. But then he's calling us into the horizontal side as well, living with other people. We're connected with him, and since we're connected with him, he's calling us to be connected with people on the horizontal. So our foundation is God. The first week we talked about being in the friend zone in the positive way. We talked about being consistent or a faithful friend, competent, candor, counsel, care. These were all the the five C things that were part of friendship. If you missed that, that message is available online. That's week one. And then last week we talked about reciprocity in friendships and being unified in heart and unified in prayer for one another. And so the thing that I want to talk about this morning is this idea that at church, when we gather, when we gather together to eat, when we gather in our homes with our brothers and sisters in Christ, our family, when we get together with somebody at a coffee shop, when we get together with somebody at a restaurant, you know what special thing is taking place there is that God is in our midst. That is one of the things that we missed, or I know for sure that I have missed, and I know many people have told me that we can worship God alone in our cars or at home, and we should, but there's nothing like getting together with you and worshiping God. God is here with us. We sang that today. It's joy in the house of the Lord. He's here with us. And I think it's very easy to forget that. When we get together, God is there with us. Do we take that for granted? Do we think that it's not important? Because it's really important. God is in our midst. Matthew 18, verse 20. Famous verse, where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am with them. God is right there with us. Great things can happen when believers get together. And I've said this, you know, when any chance I get to travel and I go to a local church in some other city or some other country, right in the middle of that church service, I'm like, this is my family. These are my people. You guys are my people. Why? Because at the foundation of our lives is following Jesus. And when we get together, something special can happen. There's the potential of something special because God is in our midst. God is there with us as we're worshiping and lifting up and when we feel that we feel that family vibe when we're together worshiping God that he's the center of my life and he's the center of your life 
God is in our midst. And we read this last week, and this proves out in our relationships. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12. And though a man might prevail against one who was alone, two will withstand him. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. You and me and God. You and your friend and God. You and your spouse and God. You and your children and God. Any of those relationships, when God is at the center of it, when God is that third cord of strength, who knows what can happen? So many good things happen when you get together with your friends. And you know that this is true. Have you ever had, have you ever got in a room with some godly friends and just really great conversation happened and then you were laughing? You know, I was talking to one of my friends this week. He called me and, and we got together with this other pastoral couple and there was a six of us together a couple years ago and we spent like a day and a half together. And I want to say, 75% of the time, we just laughed. We just had so much fun hanging out together and just talking about life and your kids and ministry and all these different things. And what was so great about it is God was in the midst of all of that. See, God is in the middle of our lives. God is in the middle of our joys, our celebration moments. And God is the God of the mountaintop, but then God is the God of of the valleys. And we're together in those moments. And I've been at funerals with other believers, and there's something special that happens there. The same as when the joy laughter moments. When we're saying goodbye to a loved one, and we're sharing tears together, we're sharing memories about a family member. God is in our midst. God is in the middle of those relationships. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 says this, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in him the whole building is joined together. Talking about the church. In Christ, you and I are joined together. We're together. God has joined us together. And rises and becomes a holy temple in the Lord. What is the church? Together? What are we? The holy temple, the presence of God. We sang it this morning. Surely God is in this place. And I'm going to say it again because it's so necessary. The world is tearing itself apart trying to separate people in a thousand different ways. The church, the gospel, brings people together. Don't fall for it. Be aware of the tactics of the enemy. The enemy wants to separate people, wants to separate churches, wants to separate believers, wants you to focus on all the reasons you don't agree and you don't, you don't get together and why this happened and why that happened. Can you see the tactics of the enemy in our culture, friends? Come on now. You have to be able to see it. But what is the scripture telling us? In Christ, he's building us together. What is the centerpiece of our relationship? It's Christ. God himself. The transcendent one 
himself bringing us together. And there's power in godly relationships. There's power right in God is in the midst of it. And we are the temple. What is the temple? The temple, we see it in the Old Testament, is the dwelling place of God. And where is the temple in the New Testament, in the New Covenant? You and I, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's building us together. He's building us together. Listen, and I've said this before. There is nothing ever, (laughs) I'm not going to get offended out of church. You can't offend me out of church. You can't hurt me out of church. I've already been hurt enough. I've got all the scars. I've got the t-shirts. I've got all the wounds. I've got all the blood stains. But I know this to be true, that God is building us together. Together. So I'm not going to fall for the tactics of the enemy that says separate. No, you don't have this in common. And no, they're different than you. And no, this. no, God is bringing us together. And together we are the temple of the Lord. He is in our midst. And what can happen in the presence of God? Miracles can happen in the presence of God. Healing can happen in the presence of God. Forgiveness happens in the presence of God. See, the enemy knows all of these things. He's trying to separate us. Don't fall for it. Verse 22, and in him, you too, not you individual, you also, all of us, are being built together, everybody say together, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, God lives in you by his spirit, but God lives in us by his spirit. We are the temple. Yes, you are the temple, but we are the temple. Collectively, a group, a family. See, when we, when, we, when we understand this, we're going to understand how important unity is. And again, where, what is our connection point? What is the center of it? In Christ. The gospel, what God has done through Jesus, brings us together. And we might disagree. Again, we just came through election season. I might disagree with you about how the country should be run, but what brings us together is Jesus. This is the most important thing. And this is when we can be a city on the hill, friends. When we are a different type of family, when we are a different type of community, what is the difference? We're built together in God, in the transcendent love and provision of godly relationships. We have a covenant with God, and because you and I have a covenant with God, we have a covenant with each other, the bringers of the kingdom. Because the world needs this. The world needs it. The world needs togetherness. We can be that example. Because the world is not coming together on ideas. But what we know is how we can come together is in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So you're a singular, but then you're a member. 
So don't separate yourself. Don't cut yourself off from the body of Christ. Can I understand that, Pastor Brent? I won't cut myself off, but you don't know what they did to me. Yeah, I do. They were humans. They were jerks. They made a mistake. And then you feel like you don't want to be a part of it. But that doesn't mean you should cut yourself off. You're individually part of it, but then you're part of the members. We are part of each other. God's in me. God's in you. We're together. It's the most important thing. The most important shared thing on the planet is following after Jesus. Because it transcends all. Why? Because it's something that God did for us. Can you see it? It's something that God did, that God provided, not a thought that I produced. Because you and I may never agree on thoughts that I produce, and I won't agree on all of the thoughts you produce. But God, do you see the difference? Can we agree on all these things that we say and all the opinions that we have? No, but God provides the unity necessary. God provides it. Listen, I've been married to my wife 27 years this Friday. We don't agree on a lot of stuff. But what brings us together is God. Right? You know, I, I had a pastor friend. You know, one of, the, one of the reasons to get divorced is irreconcilable differences. And he said to me, you know, my wife and I have irreconcilable differences all the time, but we're not getting divorced. But what, the, what ends up being the problem is focusing on the wrong things. We don't agree on this. We don't agree on this. We don't agree on this. Listen, that's a woman. You're a man. You're not going to agree. Get used to it. <laughs> but God brings you together. Your covenant, which your marriage is, it's not just a contract, a city hall. Your covenant with your spouse is God-given. And what you need to do, what all of us need to do in marriage is to understand what God wants us to provide within the context of culture. Somebody actually who respects, honors what God gives. These are all extra things. None of these things are in my notes. <laughs> right. So God brings us together. So what do we need to do? We need to give our attention and our devotion to the Lord. See, this is why the whole front part of our service, every week, all of the time, is all about worship. Because we're, we're again, we're gathering, and we're going to lift him up. We're gathering, and we're going to remember what he's done for us. And we're going to do this here and again in a second with communion. about the early church in Acts chapter 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as, as had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, 
receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. So, so many great principles here for the church. And it's all about being together. All of these great things happened when they were together. But what is this one, this one phrase I want to focus on? And awe came on every soul. Now, who are we in awe of? Or who are we supposed to be in awe of? See, we use this word awesome, and, and I am guilty of it as well. We overuse the word awesome. But really, the only one that we should be in awe of is God. But what's happening to us is we're giving our awe, our wonder, our worship to people and their opinions. I am not in awe of the prime minister, and I am not in awe of the leader of the opposition. And I am not in awe of your political opinions, and I'm not in awe of my own political opinions. They are opinions. But what we need to be in awe of is God. God is in our midst. The only one that deserves our worship. And see, this is where broken relationships come in when we get our awe misplaced. When we get our awe in somebody and then they make a mistake, we should have known they were human. We already should have known going in. See, if somebody venerates you, eventually they will vilify you. Because you can't stand it. You're not enough. I'm not enough. We are not enough. The only one that deserves our awe is God. Again, that's why we start with worship. So what we need to do is we need to be good priests. You know, if you grew up Catholic, you thought, I'm never going to be a priest. But you know that God has made you a priest. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the priests were the one responsible for the continuing the worship of God every day, all of the time, burning incense and all these different things, making sure the worship of God was constant. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us a kingdom priests to his God and Father, to be him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What has he made us? What are we a kingdom of? Priests. So what are we, who, I should say, who should we be worshiping? God. Who deserves our worship? God. So then I won't be overly disappointed when a human is a human. Because I'm not in awe of them. I don't have a, oh my gosh. I don't have a wonder about them because they're human. But I have wonder and I have awe for God. So what are we? We are a kingdom of priests. The worship, the awareness of God. That he's there in our midst. Hebrews 13 verse 15 says, 
Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips that openly professes his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Do you see both of these things in there? I'm going to be constantly worshiping God. And then when I'm constantly worshiping God, the outflow of that is I'm actually going to do good things. And those sacrifices, what sacrifices? The sacrifice of my time and energy that I'm giving to God, that my awe goes to the only one that deserves it. That doesn't mean you shouldn't honor people. We need to honor people, but don't be in awe of them. We need to be loving to people and honor people. But continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. In the Old Testament, in the temple, in the tabernacle, they were making sure the praise of God was constantly happening. But what is it, what is it for us? The fruit of our lips, giving thanks. We, Cynthia led us there for a while this morning, just saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, we live in a cynical world that shows us the problems of the world constantly. We go, oh my gosh, this is bad, and oh my gosh, this is bad. And I agree, those things are bad. And we do live in a broken world. But what God wants us to do, he wants us to give our attention, our thanks, our awe to him, not to be in awe of negative circumstances. Because there will always be negative circumstances and stuff that we have to get through. Don't give your awe and your wonder and your worship to created things, because circumstances are created things. The only one who deserves our awe is God. So let's make sure we get our praise going in the right direction. Don't praise the news reports. Don't praise politicians. And I won't, let's make a deal. I won't praise you and you don't praise me. And together we'll honor God. We'll worship God. First Peter chapter two. And then we'll read this and then we'll receive communion together. But you are a chosen race. What race are you? What race am I? A chosen one. You know, that's the best one. Not yours and my skin color is not the best one. That's a failed attempt. Have we seen that that's a failed attempt? Come on now. But what are we? We are the chosen race. God has chosen us. God has made a way for us to know himself. God has put out a call to all humanity to be a part of the chosen race. Can you see that the enemy wants to separate people by race? And God has said that we are the chosen race because he has chosen us. To be in a relationship with himself. Thank God. What are you? The chosen race. A royal priesthood. In this family of God. And where does our awe go to? Where does our worship go to? It goes to God. We are this 
of the world, could we change the world for the better? Come on now. We are a chosen race, a royal priest, and a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Not just a person, but a people. We're a group. We're a family. That you might proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people, but now you're God's people. And because we are God's people, you're my people. Right? Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's receive communion together today. If you're there on the front row, the elements are there by the, the leg of your seat. If you're at home, you can go ahead and get your elements ready. If you've forgotten <laughs> to use these, there's a top cellophane piece, and inside there is a wafer. Just open that up and just hold the wafer in your hand. Luke 22, verse 19, and he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after the cup, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So Jesus brings us together as the family of God. And he said, do this to remember me because together we are the temple of God. We are the family of God. We are the dwelling place of God. We are the vision of unity that God has for all mankind. Can you see that? Jesus said, remember me. Why? Because our awe goes to him. Scripture tells us that Jesus took stripes on his back. In other words, when he was whipped, we could see blood through his skin. And his body was broken for ours. His body was broken so we could receive, receive healing for our bodies. So we're going to pray for that here in a second. Maybe this morning you're here and you, you've got a broken heart. You know that God, Scripture tells us that God heals the brokenheartedness. Wherever we are facing brokenness in our lives, we can remember today that Jesus is our healer. Let's just pray. Father, we're so thankful for Jesus today. We're so thankful that Jesus sat with his disciples and reminded us to think about him and who he is and what he's done. So we thank you today, Lord, that by your stripes, we are healed. So we just say yes to your healing power. We open ourselves up wide. We open our hearts wide to you. We thank you, Lord, for your healing power working in our bodies from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. Lord, you created our bodies. You know how to fix them.
And so we just thank you, Lord, for your grace of healing. We remember that Jesus' body was broken so ours could be healed. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat together. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That he washes away our past, that he washes away all of our mistakes. He calls us into the family of God together. So that doesn't mean that we're the self-righteous ones. We're the ones that realize how human we are. And how not worthy of awe we are how we need a savior. And we remember that Jesus' blood was shed for us. So let's just pray. God, we thank you today for Jesus again. We thank you that he shed his blood on the cross. We thank you, Lord, that your blood washes away all of our sins washes away all of our past, washes away all of our unrighteousness. We can stand today in your presence, partakers of your presence, that you are in our midst, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness you give. We thank you for forgiveness today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's drink together.
know him and to be in a relationship with him. So if you are here this morning, if you're watching online today and you feel like I don't have a relationship with God, God has provided one through Jesus and all we have to do is say yes. We don't qualify for a relationship with God because we're so good, because we aren't. We can't create some sort of religion and offer that to God. But God has given it to us. He's offered it to us. It's called grace. It's just a gift. And all we have to do is say yes. So if you're here this morning and you have never said yes to Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer this morning. I invite you to pray along with me. It's just a starting point of your relationship with God, a starting point in your discipleship with Jesus. And if you're watching online and you have never done this as well, you pray along with me. Church, let's bow our head and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on a cross. And you raised him from the dead so that I could know you. So I say yes to that relationship today. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and turn from my own. Thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if that is you this morning and that is the first time you prayed that prayer, we actually have some materials that we would love to put in your hand. They're there at the info desk in the lobby. There will be somebody up there to greet you and give you those materials. Same thing online. Please reach out to us online. You can email us at info at thecitychurch.ca, and we would love to send you those very same materials. Also, if you're going to sign up for groups, or if, you're, if you want information about groups, or you want to uh, find out about part of City Team, you can do all of that at the info desk as well. Thank you for coming to church this morning. Go ahead and take your seats for a few seconds, and someone will come along and dismiss you. Have an amazing week. I love you. Don't forget the all together challenge. Reach out to somebody this week. Thank you for joining us today. Bless you.